Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Dr. Marek? Yes. Can I ask you a question? White male, forties, convulsions, high fever, pulse, pressure and vitals and total disarray. And who are we talking about here? It's just a patient of mine now. Did you do a spinal tap? Oh no, he died on us. What about post-mortem? Believe it or not, we seem to have lost the body. Well, that never helps. I'm looking for an autopsy report on a patient called Claude Minkins. I have no record of this man. Someone has deleted all this stuff out, right? You mean on purpose? I'm your boss, and I'm telling you, drop this thing. What are they doing with all these people? What do you mean, all these people? 6,000 people underground. Could be twice that. Someone's looking for healthy subjects. Why us? They think you won't be missed. Hello, welcome to Rewatchability, part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm J.M. McNabb, joined as always by... Robert Larone. Dr. Robert Larone. <laughs> I just don't think that's legal to say. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, Dr. Phil has kind of... <laughs> yeah, he's opened the doors opened for the... all of us quacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a special medical themed episode mm-hmm. uh, this week. We're going to be talking about Extreme Measures, mm-hmm. the 1996 thriller starring Gene Hackman and Hugh Grant, mm-hmm. back when people were like, hey, maybe Hugh Grant could be in really? a thriller. <laughs> Which I guess he kind of is now. He was in that Nicole Kidman one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, he, so he's... he sort of got pigeonholed as a rom-com, smaltzy sort of fella. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean... We should assume that he has a little bit more range than that, right? Well, I've seen him a lot recently because my kids love, as do I, Paddington 2. Oh. In which he plays the villain. Oh. So, yeah, he's got, you know, he's got range. But before we get into our discussion of the movie, I do want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon donors. Those are the people that give a few bucks a month to help keep the show going. If you go to patreon.com slash rewatchability, you get uh, the show early and some bonus content. Hopefully we'll be doing some more bonus content once we kind of get back on track a little Mm -hmm. bit with the show. I know this one was a bit delayed. We've both been busy and we have some news. Mm -hmm. Blaine's not on the show, Mm -hmm. nor was he last week, uh, nor will he be for a little bit because he just had a... He's fired. He said some terrible, terrible He's things. He's canceled. Uh, no, he was—he just had a baby. Yeah. He, uh, little and, guy. Yeah. So we want to offer our congratulations to Blaine. Nah, he's not going to listen no. to this. I mean, we texted him congratulations. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying it again. I don't even think he read a... it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're sending our congratulations to Blaine. He might not be back on the show for a little while because the early goings of having a a small child are pretty crazy. But now that it's Rob and I, we're, you know, hopefully going to get back into our our weekly routine. Yeah. Um, We had a bit of trouble because I've got kids, too. Like, I had to take one of them uh, to the ER because they bumped their Mm -hmm. head at camp. And that delayed us last week. And I have a drug problem. 
and <laughs> Rob's got a drug problem. It's it's a mystery drug that involved uh, his ivermectin. ER <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, let's get into our discussion of this movie because I don't think this is a movie many people think or talk about. Maybe for good reason. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe no one will even listen to this episode. I don't know. But this was a movie I remember distinctly seeing rob i don't think you saw it when it came out no do you remember hearing about it or you know i might have seen the cover because i remember the awesome font that extreme measures right. is <laughs> written in it's a very 90s very extreme font but it's almost like a like an edgy take on like the simpsons font <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but no i don't have any memories of seeing this and yeah i mean i have some Maybe you could call them prejudices about Hugh Grant, but I was willing to give him another chance. And also, this movie features Gene Hackman, who is amazing in everything. And uh, so I was, you know, I was ready to give this a go. Okay, great. Yeah, I did see it in the theater. This was back when I saw pretty much everything. And it's weird. I sometimes like movies that even movies I saw a long time ago, like I associate certain times of year with mm. them and i just randomly this movie popped into my head and i thought we i suggested we do it on the show and then i looked it up it came out in september hey so it's you know it was around this time of year and like i said it was 1996 so this month is the 25th anniversary awesome i'm sure you there's know there's gonna be lots of articles there's probably like yeah. a special dvd release I mean, yeah, that's why we're doing a little. We're doing a little early because we want to get ahead of the flood of think pieces oh, yeah. and you know anniversary celebrations. You're just going to be sick and tired of hearing about extreme measures by the end of this month. Mm -hmm. No, it's a movie no one really talked about, but I remember liking it. And I, <laughs> you know, Blaine did this too. He's talked about it on the show, but like, you know, if you got a poster from the video store, if it was a movie you'd seen and kind of liked, it would go up on the wall. Mm -hmm. So I remember at one point I did have an Extreme Measures poster wow. up on my wall. I don't think it lasted that long. Did you just cover up the half with like Hugh Grant's face on it and just keep the uh, right. Gene Hackman side? I got two G. Yeah, <laughs> it would be great to like just cut out a second Extreme Measures poster so it's just two half Gene Hackman faces. <laughs> No, I, I mean, Hugh Grant's fine in this. But yeah, it's a movie like I don't think I ever saw it again after that initial theatrical viewing, mm. but I certainly remembered it for a while and never saw it again until until last night. So I'm excited to talk about Me it. Me too. Oh, one last thing I will say before we get into your rundown, Rob, okay. and that is another thing that was interesting me to me looking back at it like I wasn't necessarily familiar with all of the talent mm. behind it at the time but it was directed by Michael Apton mm -hmm. just passed away earlier this yeah. year actually which is another good reason to do the movie now but uh you know a great british director directed some fantastic movies including you know Coal Miner's Daughter mm -hmm. the Seven Up series mm -hmm. that James Bond Did you ever... with Denise Richards yeah, the one that ends with that terrible, terrible Christmas pun. But yeah, he's directed some real stinkers too, don't get me wrong. But I, I mean, did you ever see the Seven Ups movies? You know, I haven't. It sounds really interesting. Uh, I kind of want to, you know, if I have seven years of my life, maybe I'll give them, uh, give them a watch. Well, it doesn't take seven years to oh, watch. Oh, really? It's, okay. Uh, it's a, and it's a pretty easy watch. You know, I haven't seen the last one or two. I think as I got older, like I find them way too emotional right. to even watch. Like it's, it's so affecting. But like when I was in high school, I remember renting like the DVD box set. Oh, wow. One week. I was like sick from home from school and I rented as part of the movies I rented, I rented that box set and just watched them all. And it is, uh, one of the great cinematic experiments of all For time. Sure. I'd say it's, such an amazing piece of work. It's it's a great legacy he left behind, I think, even just that yeah. that seven up series. And it informed this movie as well, watch. right? Like That's right. Yeah, they <laughs> went back and they filmed Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman every seven years. Uh, <laughs> Are we still doing this? <laughs> Nobody liked that movie. <laughs> Well, let's get into it. Rob, do you want to run down the plot of Extreme Measures? Okay, hold on, because it's going to go to some extreme places like 
For example, I mean, it okay. starts with, I mean, there's like a bird's eye view of the city, and then we sort of go down, and then the first thing that we see are two naked dudes running out of a creepy basement. Like, yeah. we've all been there when they turn the lights on after an orgy. <laughs> You're like, ah! <laughs> Well, it's a weird opening because the rest of the movie is, like, fairly dull sounds too Mm -hmm. harsh. But it's, like, fairly, uh, you know, straightforward and and conventional. But the beginning of the movie, first of all, it opens like Batman. Yeah. Like, it's like the camera is, like, flying through the cityscape. The music sounds like Batman because it's (laughs) Danny Elfman. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, or Darkman or something. And it's the camera's flying. And then it, it finally lands in this alley. And then uh, two naked men come running out of this door like it's surreal. And, you Mm -hmm. know, not a lot of Hollywood movies, you know, show. Dongs. uh, Yeah, what he said. (laughs) But so it does feel like this opening is perhaps a bit bolder Mm -hmm. than the rest of the movie is. But, yeah, a a very arresting opening, I'd say. Yeah. So these two men, they're running and they're naked and they, like, run right out into the street. And eventually one of them sort of grabs some, like, transparent sort of uh, drop cloths or tarps or something. And it's like a plastic. Yeah, it's like a plastic sheet. You know, it's like a saran wrap. Yeah, it's basically saran wrap. So they wrap themselves in saran wrap. And then because they're being chased, they sort of separate. And so, I mean, the way that the one guy just runs down the middle of the street in like this weird, like contorted run is so creepy and such like a such a. Oh, a, a terrifying image, you know, like it's very yeah. affecting. It just like sets you up. Like, what is this? You know, is it like some sort of like sci-fi thing? Is wh- what is happening with these people? What are they escaping from? And mm. we have all these questions in our mind. Cut to <laughs> Hugh Grant being a charming doctor. <laughs> It basically becomes like an episode of ER, except everybody is uh, Hugh Grant. I mean, there are lots of other doctors and nurses, but it's all focused on Hugh Grant. And also, I should say, to a lesser extent, his sort of handy nurse, Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're doing all the doctor stuff. Like, they're making the hard decisions. Like, he gets a cop and another guy in his emergency room, and the one guy has been shot, and he's bleeding, and the cop has been shot, and he's bleeding. But the resources at the ER are scarce, and they don't have enough room for both of these guys. And so he has to make, or he does make, a a judgment, a choice. He decides he's going to save the cop and give less resources to the uh, guy who pulled out a gun on a bus. And SJP, she calls him out on it. She's like, you're making a moral yeah. judgment, not a medical judgment. Because like, the cop seemed a little more stable, I think, than the guy who was like the mugger mm-hmm. or whatever. So it was, yeah, he made... A, a moral judgment based on who these two guys were and and because there were so many like cops outside the room and like the guy's wife he he kind of based it more on like the sort of social context and not the uh the strictly medical uh you know he he favored the the person who was not in the greatest risk of of dying exactly yeah so uh, it's kind of sketchy. which is kind of an it is kind of an interesting uh, opening though. Like it, it is mm-hmm. it is a, a nuanced situation. It does introduce us to the idea that this movie is going to be about like uh, about navigating your way through medical ethics, which I guess was a huge thing in the nineties. Like like you mentioned, there was ER. Mm-hmm. There were all these like other like you know outbreak and I mean this movie was based on a book, but like yeah, all those. Uh, paperback you know airport thrillers were all medical thrillers like the hot zone you remember that one and all the robin cooks yeah stuff? basically everything we're living through now is what <laughs> our parents enjoyed reading on airplanes 20 years ago nowadays the medical thriller would just be like red staters asking for ivermectin or whatever it's called and <laughs> doctors being like no you're not a horse <laughs> 
Well, there was you know, in the you know I've never seen Contagion, but you know I've read about it, and uh, and I know that like Jude Law plays like the conspiracy theorist who's Ooh. like you know putting leaflets through people's doors and things and trying to call it out as a conspiracy theory. And I was listening to uh, Steven Soderbergh on uh, WTF, and he was saying like, yeah, that was the biggest thing we got wrong is thinking like. This would be a guy, <laughs> and not like half the country. Yeah, and like a number of senators and congressmen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was like, yeah, Extreme Measures was not in a vacuum. This was like, yeah, ER doctor, like medical ethics. Mm -hmm. it, it, this was like, yeah, hot shit at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so Hugh Grant, I mean, he's doing his thing. He's like the doctor, and he gets one of the guys that has been running away in his ER. And it's a it's a medical mystery. They don't know what's happening with him. All of his levels are all over the place, but, you know, they don't seem to have, like, the typical causes. So he's sort of – he's a little bit baffled, but the guy sort of pulls through at first just long enough to give a little bit of information, like say who his name is and say – Say something mysterious about the room or something like that. It's like, go see the room. It's a great film. Claude Minkins. Okay, good. Listen to me, Claude. Hey, listen. You're in Gramercy Hospital? I've been I've been here before. All right. You know what, Claude? You, you came in with a hospital band on your wrist. Can you tell me where you're being treated? You taking any drugs? What medicine did they give you, Claude? I didn't know. Try phase. <laughs> Whatever they put in you. And well, he also mentions the company Try. Well, we don't know it's a company. He mentions Triphase. Yeah. And Hugh Grant's like, what is that? Is that a? Sounds like a board game, right? Really. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. So he doesn't know what he that thinks is. it's a and, drug, but I, it doesn't really sound like a drug name. You know, it's where's the science? And I, I don't want to. I don't want to skip too far ahead, but like. We eventually learn that this mysterious triphase is, you know, at, at the core of the mystery that Hugh Grant spends two hours investigating is just a company. Like, they have it, a building. It's a, they have a building. They have shopping they have bags shopping with their name bags. on it. Like this, it had this movie take place even like five years later, he could have asked Jeeves <laughs> what triphase was and just, you know, oh. taken a taxi over there. <laughs> Given Gene Hackman a stern lecture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's a mystery. And this guy passes away, and, you know, he's ordered all these tests, but, you know, it just doesn't sit with him right. He's still sort of concerned about why this guy died and what happened. So he starts investigating, and some of his colleagues at the hospital aren't so hot on him pursuing this line of investigation. Like his friend Jeff, who I think is also his boss, he sort of tells him to not worry about it. You know, but he he can't not worry about it. So he keeps investigating and the body disappears from the morgue. They give him somebody calls him and they give him like a, you know, half-assed explanation for a cause of death that he doesn't really buy and so he is starting to get like really concerned like there's something weird happening uh, and he wants to investigate it but uh nobody nobody wants him to also meanwhile we have gene hackman he he mm -hmm. is you know a sort of senior sort of doctory type he's very prestigious when we see him he's getting the prestigious Wainwright medal, and he gets a call from the president, presumably a good one because he's excited about it. And uh, you know, he seems like a really upstanding well, dude. <laughs> you know, he's a uh, you know helping this, people. This movie came out around around the same time as the movie Absolute Power. Remember that, right? So if this movie takes place in the same universe as that, the call from the president would be coming from himself. It <laughs> oh would be God. also Gene Hackman. Also, if Lex Luthor called him at the same time, that would be weird. <laughs> and uh, that guy from Get Shorty? Yeah, yeah. And then he has a French cat. Okay. But... Yeah, and the guy from Night Moves is following him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we've we seen Gene Hackman movies. <laughs> One or two of them. I, I should say, I've, I've watched a lot of Gene Hackman movies, like, just during the pandemic. Like, I find his presence very soothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
I don't know why. <laughs> I, he's just such a great actor. Like I rewatched The French Connection and Night Moves and uh, The Quick and the Dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I hadn't seen since I was a kid. Yeah. Gene Hackman's great. Yeah. He's awesome. And there are other people who start investigating this as well. Or like they seem to be involved, but they want to stop Hugh Grant's investigation. Like we have David Morse who's an FBI agent, and yeah. Bill Nunn, who are a cop. And we don't sort of see totally what's happening yet, but you know they start sort of uh, following him, and I think they tap his phones at one point. But we, we absolutely don't know what's going on. I mean, they give him a name that he has to investigate. Right. And so he's, yeah. He, so he's investigating these the two guys who he comes to realize... Or I don't know if he knows it right off the bat, but like they're both homeless guys, mm-hmm. both of the people connected to this mystery. And he's looking into that. And then we see Gene Hackman being kind of shadowy. He's the one that like calls from the morgue, mm-hmm. pretending to say, you know, everything's fine. So we see kind of what's going on behind the scenes, but we don't totally know. And then because this is a 90s thriller, we have to have a scene where like the guy's life is ruined yeah. because like drugs are planted in his uh, apartment. Yeah. Basically his apartment gets broken into and the cop who is investigating him is uh, Artie Bucco, Tony Soprano's restaurant tour friend from the Sopranos, but right. he gets, you know, framed for this thing. Yeah. They plant, they plant like pharmaceutical cocaine and make it look like he was stealing from the hospital, I guess. Yeah. But it's also, it's kind of weird to watch in the context of what was going on with Hugh Grant in the nineties. Yeah. Because like, I, I don't know. I was trying to figure out, I couldn't find out exactly like when this was filmed, but I think it must've been either shortly after or shortly before his arrest. Mm. So it's, it's weird that he was like, and his arrest also came, you know, like right after his nine months, which was supposed to be, or, or right at, while he was making that, and that was supposed to be like his big break in the U.S. So it is funny, like this doctor, like he's got this big break coming because he's going to go to like NYU or whatever, mm-hmm. and his life is like perfectly on track. But then, like you know, he makes a personal decision that causes him to be arrested, and his like career is going to maybe be mm-hmm. ruined. And mm-hmm. it's just it's weird to uh, to see knowing that that was. You know, I'm sure everyone who went to go see this movie, which came out just a year after his arrest, you know, had that on their minds to some extent. It's also interesting because didn't he like? Isn't this his production company that put this together? Him and uh, Liz Hurley. It's like sort him, of telling him on and yourself. Liz Hurley. <laughs> right. Well, then. Well, I, I mean, it, he is the hero. I mean, and right. That's true. I was true. looking. I I didn't really remember all the details of the Hugh Grant arrest, but I gather it was just like. He went out and got drunk with Jeff Goldblum because he was so bummed out about the movie Nine Months. Mm-hmm. And then he like was drunk and he paid a sex worker to like have sex in a car or something right. and got arrested for like lewd behavior. But it's like Yeah, I just I, I didn't really I remember it being a big deal at the time, but I don't I didn't really know many of the details, but it just seemed like that's seems kind of private. Like, yeah. You know, like I, th- I think now, like obviously our attitudes towards things like sex work have, have changed somewhat, but like, yeah, looking back, that's another thing that it just seems so wildly blown out of proportion. And yeah. And it seems like something that should be between him and like his girlfriend. And it didn't even sever their relationship. Like I looked it up and they, you know, they were, Still together until like 2000 or something. Oh, wow. So I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there are lots of uh, cases like that from the 90s where people are kind of Pee reevaluating Herman. how the media reacted. Pee Wee Herman, for sure. Though, though I don't remember all the ins and outs of that either. But uh, I think he just went to a porno Just theater, went to a porno right? theater. We've all been there. What? <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> But yeah, Rob, I'm going to remind listeners again, Rob, not a doctor, not a doctor. (laughs) But yeah, so I don't know, Hugh Grant, not not that I'm, you know, I'm not going to go to bat for Hugh Grant. I know nothing about Hugh Grant, but it's, but it also like, it didn't seem to, I guess at the time it seemed like it would maybe harm his befuddled rom-com persona that was like so Mm -hmm. beloved in Four Weddings and a Funeral, but it really didn't like 
the arrest was like four years before Notting Hill came out. And that was like, you know, that was like the most Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant yeah, performance. Peak Hugh you know? Grant. Absolutely. But okay. So yeah, he's here. So we find Gene Hackman. Let's get into what Gene Hackman's actually doing. Yeah. Because it's pretty, uh, I mean, pretty crazy. He, yeah. He's like kidnapping homeless people and like, experiment like performing spinal surgery on them without their permission yeah severing their spinal cords to essentially make them paralyzed and then giving them some sort of treatment which is allowing them to regain some sort of mobility but they're all dying like it doesn't it doesn't work you know for good it's just sort of he's on he's trying to make it work this tape was filmed 22 hours after the removal of a four-micron spinal section at the 10th vertebra. Insertion of an electrical prosthetic was followed by administration of IN-1 monoclonal antibody and so forth and so on. Patient number 12 regained 75% operational mobility. And uh, 26 hours and 14 minutes after his operation, his condition is stable. Take it easy, guys. Take it easy. We're not there yet, but we are getting closer. It's it's an extreme measure to take. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could even call the movie that because <laughs> it is so extreme. Hey. Well, I, I will say that I, I think <laughs> it's it's an interesting idea, right? Like, it's again, it goes to that, you know, it, it's it's he's a villain who is ultimately trying to do something good through doing something terrible, which makes it kind of an interesting story. But the the thing that I think is so crazy about this movie is that like, it kind of makes, because we see like his kind of like shadowy organization that is running. Cause it's a whole, like Mm -hmm. we said earlier, it's a whole company. It's a whole big fancy building where they're conducting all of these experiments on the people they're essentially kidnapping and torturing. Yeah. It's horrible. But then like, a good portion of his staff are in wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And then there are also like several other moments where it's like, we see people out in the world who are in wheelchairs and suspect them of being like, you know, like it's a twist, like, Oh no, that person's in a wheelchair. They're probably in cahoots with Gene Hackman. And it's like, I don't think that's a thing we should be doing (laughs) right now. Like why would, I mean, they also did that in, uh, Iron Man three. Right. Remember that? That where it was, you know, it was a guy trying to like grow limbs back. So it'd be like, you know, there's a scene where like Miguel Ferrer is the vice president and someone calls him for help. He's like, okay. And then he hangs up the phone. You see like his daughter is in a wheelchair and had her leg amputated. And you're like, oh no, he's a villain too. It's like, no, not, not everyone in a wheelchair or who is the family member of a wheelchair would turn to evil. It's true. I mean, it just seems like so, again, like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be ableist. I don't understand the full extent of emotionally what it's like to be confined to a wheelchair. But I I can't imagine that all of these people would be like, yeah, well, let's let's just <laughs> kidnap all those people. It. I mean, yeah, it seems better than, than us, seems right? Fine. <laughs> I know it just seemed like. Like, I get Gene Hackman's motivation. He's kind of a mad scientist in a way. He's this brilliant doctor. He doesn't think he has many years left. He wants to, you know, cut corners, doesn't want to experiment on on lab mice. But, like, all these other people are just like, yeah, sure, it's fine. It might help me. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess the will kidnap it does people seem, off the street. It does seem a little weird. Like, I mean, usually, especially people who are in desperate medical situations are often – up for experimental treatments if, you know, something is possibly going right. to help. I feel like you could probably find some volunteers somewhere. Did you even look? You know, <laughs> or is it just like, let's just get some homeless people. Just, you know, take out their spines. Come on. Yeah. That ain't right. I could see I could see agreeing to it in desperation, but then after a good night's sleep, wouldn't she be like, wait, what what did I agree to? <laughs> yeah, well it's no, really I'm not, weird I'm not gonna, because they're like I'm not gonna work there. These people are working there. Like they have like what do they put on their tax information? Yeah. Well the, it also seems like yeah, they're like a bunch of like I don't know, board members or something. Like at, at one point <laughs> he's like showing this video of this guy that they kidnapped who's played by one of the guys from The Thing. They're showing him this video of this guy sort of like spasmodically sort of 
almost walking. And it just seems like like they've got to know that this is just like some some guy, right? They've got to know that like the, what they're doing. They've got to be in on it, right? Yeah. I mean, they're all just so like almost cartoonishly evil because like at one point when we actually see like Gene Hackman like abduct someone and try to convince him that he's in like a regular hospital and the guy's like oh I have my a daughter I haven't spoken to and like I was a school teacher for 18 years and like oh my god they're really laying on thick like how sad this is and then you know cut to like the boardroom full of people in wheelchairs just like cut them up (laughs) (laughs) you need any more homeless folk i can get some few (laughs) have we tracked down and murdered that one who had escaped in the saran wrap yet uh yeah yeah but i mean it turns out that like yeah it seems like um everybody is sort of in on it at the hospital like Hugh Grant has this like mentor person named Judith that he confides in and she sort of shuts him down and at one point at a big celebration he sees the Gene Hackman character or the Gene Hackman character comes and congratulates him on his new job and he asks him about the guy that is missing and it's quite a moment but Nobody, nobody is giving any information. And eventually he talks to one of his uh, patients who is also a homeless person and he convinces him to help to find somebody to help him find this mysterious room. And so he finds this guy who they call the half (laughs) They just take him to a Tommy's Wiseau movie. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And he sort of leads him down into, like, the sewer, past, like, the subway tracks, into this, like, you know, subterranean lair where there are these mutated turtles. Uh, No, No, there are people who are living there because life is sad. And, well, I think it also seemed like maybe, like... This was also where they were living because of the Gene Hackman character, like right. that they needed to be so far deep down and hidden because so many people in their community were being kidnapped. Yeah, I I will say I thought this was maybe the best sequence in the movie. This whole part where Hugh Grant's following this guy and they're going, you know, through subway trains and down, you know tunnels and hallways and it goes on for a really long time but it's uh it's really well done mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you feel like he's Hugh Grant's gonna get knifed at any moment but he doesn't and and this is where he meets like yeah there's like all these people and there's like a leader and they are suspicious of him because everybody's been going missing but he finds out more information about the tri-phase uh thing and he they They find the other guy who has escaped, and they attempt to bring him out. And this is where David Morris and Bill Nunn come after them. And they basically, like, you know, kill a bunch of the homeless people. But uh, Bill Nunn, he gets his foot trapped in the subway and gets uh, run over, particularly gruesome. But then Hugh Grant... And I I don't know if you noticed or read this in the trivia, but those two characters, the two sort of henchmen, are named... Burke and Hare. Right, yeah, after the, after, um, like, the two corpse uh, thieves. Yeah, the two uh, corpse thieves in, in Edinburgh. Yeah, that's a good, good reference. But so Hugh Grant goes to Sarah Jessica Parker's house because, uh, you know, she's got a good place and seems like, you know, she's cool and all of that. But he gets knocked out by Sarah Jessica Parker's brother, who is also disabled. Again, is is we another we meet another character in a wheelchair, and within three minutes, he's beating <laughs> Hugh Grant's over the head with a baseball bat. Like uh. it would have been good if we at least had one disabled person in this movie who was like, "Hey, I'm not for this." <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, they don't. They don't give us that. But I mean, this part's really interesting. He wakes up in this hospital and jk simmons is leaning over him uh slapping him in the face being like you're rushing (laughs) (laughs) no he's a doctor he's a doctor doctor and he gives him some like really hard news he tells him that he has been paralyzed from the neck down because he got shot during that confrontation and uh, his spine has been severed and he'll never move his body again which is you know that's heavy news and also like a grim place for the movie to go in i was just like how is he gonna solve this mystery if he can't uh get up 
you know? I, I, this was the part that I really remembered from seeing it as a kid. Right. Was this twist where it seems like he's paralyzed. And I, I specifically remember, you know, there's a part where like a fly lands on his hand and, you know, he can't swat it away. Mm-hmm. And, and he, uh, he gets desperate. And Gene Hackman, who he does not know is the bad guy, shows up to talk to him. Oh, yeah. he. And This it, part's amazing. The Gene Hackman speech is just, like, so impeccably delivered. And so, like, yeah. oh, man, it's so sinister just the way that he, like, talks about what you would do to ask him what he would do in order to be able to walk again. You know, yeah. and of course, how ex- how extreme a measure would you take? <laughs> what if there was hope? What would it be worth to be able to walk again, to be able to feed yourself, to go back to your old life, to be a doctor? What would you endure? What are you talking about? I'm asking you a question. What do you think that would be worth? And, of course, Hugh Grant says he'd do anything. I mean, he begs Gene Hackman to euthanize him rather than allow him to keep living. And Gene Hackman says, you know, he could live like this for up to 20 years, you know. So it's, it's, I mean, it's terrifying. But it turns out that... uh, they were fucking with him. SJP, <laughs> who sent him there in the first place, comes and uh, rescues him. Takes whatever they were giving him some sort of drug in his IV, and uh, you know she removes the drug so eventually he can sort of start to move and uh, helps him escape. It's also like yeah, it's it's. I do think it's this is a good it's a good kind of third act twist. But do we ever see like how they made that fake? room like i guess this is they do this for other people they kidnap too but like there's a whole uh you know there's an exterior window with like a cityscape and they must have to like change the lighting gradually (laughs) over the course like he's there for a while and like it must be a pretty elaborate setup yeah yeah no they definitely yeah some get some set construction is it a hologram it could be a hologram (laughs) it could be a hologram yeah, and so he escapes. This is like the action part of the movie. This is if you ever wanted to see Hugh Grant kick some ass, well, this is the part for you because he, he initially escapes and I think he like he hides on like the top of the elevator and then David Morris, he's getting the elevator from the top floor and so the elevator goes up and uh you know, anyway, eventually they start to rumble and yeah, this is I mean we know that Hugh Grant can kick some ass, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> and in a fight between David Morris, who is probably like, you know, 6'5 or something, he's a big dude, it seems like, and he's got those sad eyes, too. So, I mean, you really feel it when he's punching you, you know? But uh, Hugh Grant, he knocks the fucker out. He bests him, yeah. you know? He's just a boy standing in front of an FBI agent <laughs> yeah. trying to punch him in the face. Yeah, and eventually he gets him out, and he sort of confronts Gene Hackman just as, like, Gene Hackman has been visited by the cops, and the cops, you know, they, it was like a whole thing, will the elevator come down when the cops are there, or? That was a good tense scene. Good tense scene. But I do like the, like, you know, the climax of this movie, because you're not going to have a scene where... (laughs) Where four weddings and a funeral star Hugh Grant gets in a fist fight with old man Gene Hackman. No, like, that's not going to fly. Probably so, like, a fair fight, this... though. My bet's on Gene. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. But uh, I do like that the, the kind of standoff between the two at the end, you know, it's it's a war of words. It's 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 this moment where Gene Hackman is like, can I convince you to to do this. Yeah, because he wants know, him like, to like be on his team, too, because he's like a you know good neurosurgeon. Yeah. Plus, he's going to blow the whole thing, so you might as well get him I mean, in. yeah, it's, it's almost, you know, the Empire Strikes Back. He's like, will Ooh. you join me? Because, he, he, you know, he says, like, what I'm trying to do here will help millions and millions of people. Mm-hmm. He's like, why don't you just come upstairs and you can work with us? Uh, we'll forget about all this. <laughs> that guy you just punched in the face, you're going to love him. He's a real cut up. <laughs> <laughs> just try murdering no. a few guys. Once you try it, you might like it. 
but he does basically say like, yeah, like, you know, these people are sacrificing their lives. Like they're not victims, they're heroes. Mm -hmm. Uh, This research is going to help millions of people. Like I don't have the time to go through like the medical bureaucracy that will impede my progress. He, He gives this great, you know, he gives the speech. I remember the the part that was in all the commercials at the time was like, if you could cure cancer by killing one person, wouldn't you have to do that? Which person? Like, uh, uh, Hitler. Oh yeah. <laughs> Time travel is also in this scenario. <laughs> that makes it easy. No, but I, I, you know, I, and I love that. And I love even like that line is like, if you admit that, then you admit that there is a gray area. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, would you kill 10 people? And like, well, what if it's, you know, curing paralysis? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting scene. And, you know, Hugh Grant rejects his job offer, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> but then this kind of great scene is uh, is kind of ruined by David Morse waking up and wildly shooting his gun. And he hits Gene Hackman by mistake. Mm-hmm. And he just, uh, he dies. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, he and but ethical he, quandary resolved. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, everything solved by bullets. But uh, yeah, and Gene Hackman <laughs> asks him to ask Hugh Grant to save him as he's dying, and I I wonder whether he was asking him to save his life or whether he was asking him to like make sure that he died. I think he was asking him to make sure that he died because also the other thing we didn't mention is that like Hugh Grant's father had been had lost his medical license for euthanizing someone who who asked to be euthanized mm-hmm. like someone who was terminally ill so i and and that's you know something also gene hackman said was like you know like your father would understand this and yeah. then at the end i i thought that he was asking uh because he did not want to go to jail yeah yeah but yeah and then i mean he dies so hugh grant didn't have to do anything you know <laughs> a, a second ethical quandary result <laughs> unless you know he did do something and we just didn't see it well he was starting to you know maybe stop the bleeding when gene hackman says save me and then he stops but it seems like right. at so that, that point that's what it is yeah I yeah yeah so and then it ends with uh, a really bad kind of tacked on scene where he's like has a new job that's just in a building labeled neurology. Mm-hmm. Is that his NYU job? I guess so. So he got his life back. He was able to convince everybody that the cocaine charge was bogus. He's still friends his with old... that guy. Yeah, that guy who fired him he, like, and made a big deal guy. of it. By the way, we didn't talk about the fact that the actual person that fires him from his job is David Cronenberg. Yeah, I... can you imagine like a more terrifying termination than that? Yeah. Oh, you're firing me for doing something inappropriate in a hospital? Right. Isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? Yeah, like a fly man comes in. He's like, oops, excuse me. (laughs) You're seriously going to let Jeremy Irons still work here? (laughs) And Jeremy Irons? (laughs) (laughs) Two Jeremy Ironses are working here and I'm fired? They're Uh, they're remaking Dead Ringers. Did you see that? Are they? Yeah. No, I didn't. With uh, two, two lady doctors, which will be interesting. Okay. Uh, they're just called doctors. Right? I know. But I had to emphasize this difference in gender. Right. I mean, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. That movie really freaks me out. Yeah. Maybe uh, next week. <laughs> so then at the end, oh, it's just this bad, like, they're even like, yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker, she, she's coming back to work in a week. It's like, really? She was involved with yeah, this she should vast conspiracy to abduct <laughs> and murder she, people. She should be doing like a, a blog or article called Cell in the City. Because she's in jail. Yeah, she she got like her punishment for being a part of this was like two weeks off of work. And then Hugh Grant is like, that's good. <laughs> she did help me at the end. And then it's just like the movie, the movie ends with uh, Gene Hackman's widow giving Hugh Grant the research. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is he going to take it? Is he going to, you know, do things? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He did. Yeah. And uh, and presumably we'll also start abducting and uh, experimenting on people. Mm-hmm. Just the only no, way. No, he, he's not going to do that. He's too handsome and British and charming. That's right. Yeah. Well, that is the plot of Extreme Measures. We're going to be right back with some trivia questions after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're back on rewatchability. We're talking about extreme measures. Extreme. Gene Hackman. They're so extreme. Not enough I mean, snowboards. <laughs> I just thought of more of an X Games thing. Yeah, it sounds like a like yeah, like a Nintendo 64 snowboarding <laughs> game. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, there's not a lot of trivia for this movie That's because Nobody cares about this movie, except for me, apparently. But I do have a couple of questions for you. Bring it. They're not medical questions, are they? Because, well, we've established that I'm not a doctor. I am willing to they're, take yeah, some ethical mainly. Uh, <laughs> risks. On IMDb, Hugh Grant only has one other credit for the year 1996, mm. playing himself on a sitcom. Which sitcom is it? A situational comedy. Yeah, one of those. Um, hmm. Friends? I don't know. No, no. This one was The Nanny. Oh, with uh, Screen mm-hmm. Actors Guild president Fran Drescher. Is she the president of the Screen Actors Guild? I believe she is. She won a big election. Oh, Okay, good for yeah. her. Yeah, I, d- I don't remember what he actually did on it, but uh, but yeah, he was there. He was probably just Hugh uh, Granting, and then Fran Drescher was like, "Oh my God, it's Hugh Grant." That's what she. That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. So this was like we mentioned earlier was the first film produced by Hugh Grant and Elizabeth Hurley's production company, mm-hmm. which was called Simeon Films. Mm-hmm. And my question for you is: Do you know where that? name comes from why they called it Simeon Films. I presume it's because Hugh Grant is a cheeky monkey. That's pretty pretty close. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it is because she uh, had a, a kind of running joke in their relationship that uh, she thought he had ears that looked, made him look like a monkey, mm-hmm. and her pet name for him was Monkey Boy. Nah. And uh, Oh, and also because he used to throw his feces mm. around the house. Yeah. I'll say that here, too. Yeah. So that's why it was a little in-joke between them. That's interesting. Yeah. Did they do other movies? They did, I think. Because I think Permanent Midnight might have been. Oh. Because she was in that, too. Okay. But I'm not sure which other ones. Um, I didn't look that much into Simeon films. I'm sorry. Fair. <laughs> Planet of the Apes, presumably. <laughs> Gene Hackman did make another movie with Michael Apted. Do you know what that is? Mm, 64 Up? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a 1991 legal drama called Class Action. Oh. Which I never saw. That sounds fun. Yeah. Sure um, and my last question is, uh, is pretty general. But uh, So this movie was shot partly in New York. They did most of the exterior stuff there. Mm-hmm. And then they did a lot of the interiors uh, here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could identify some of the Toronto filming locations. How about uh, the, uh, the hospital? Uh, well, uh, from my great knowledge of hospitals, let me uh, think back. I remember some aqua green walls. Um, I don't. Did they film it at U of T? Maybe. Well, part of it was filmed in U of T. That uh, scene where David Cronenberg fires Hugh Grant right. that was uh, at Victoria College. Okay. But the hospital, most of the hospital stuff was not. The hallways uh, in the hospital were mostly old city hall. Okay. And the, at least according to Torontoist.com. Uh, the the hospital room scenes were shot at Princess Margaret and Sick Kids. Oh. So I hope like no no ill children were not like getting their <laughs> operating rooms because Hugh Grant was filming Extreme Measures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Timmy. These are just the extreme measures we have to take. <laughs> if one also, child is entertained, then it's worth it. The morgue was actually shot at the morgue here. Oh, nice. Um, 
what about the uh, the party, the reception where Hugh Grant Fritz meets Gene Hackman? Ooh. Do you recognize that room? No. This this was the only one I recognized right away. No, I don't. I recognize that because that is the conservatory in Casa Loma. Oh, cool. Cool. Which is um uh you know, uh for people that haven't been to it's Toronto, a fucking it's a castle. Weird, weird old castle. It was in Scott yeah. Pilgrim. And uh it was in Scott Pilgrim. Actually, I went to Casa Loma not that long ago. It was about Almost well, it was almost two years now. But I went on a school trip with my son's school, and in the basement of Casaloma, they have posters yeah. for all the movies that they have been filmed there. And it's just the most random movie. Like if you if you just gave someone a list of those movies and asked them to find the common denominator, you would not never in a million years come up because it's like Extreme Measures, Scott Pilgrim, X Men, like mm. the remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. <laughs> like just uh, really, really odd uh, movies. But yeah, so that uh, is all I could find for for filming locations. Hugh Grant was apparently pretty nervous to work with Gene Hackman. He was no like kidding. the first choice. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he was nor- normally, you know, just being befuddled and rom-coms <laughs> but here he was here he was you know he has some uh some pretty big dramatic scenes mm-hmm. with uh with one of the great actors in movie history and uh he said he arrived on the set with two german shepherds whoa which just furthered the intimidation factor that's awesome and uh hugh grant said he looks like someone who's going to be very angry but uh he said as it turned out that was not the case he was uh friendly and professional and he said he was the kind of person that sat around with the crew and had lunch every day so uh gene hackman good guy i guess he does seem like he Um, has both of those sides when we first see him in this movie he has his granddaughter and the granddaughter has like his medal on around her neck and he's being like you know grandpa and it's like oh this guy you know he has the good side and the evil side down yeah i mean there are a lot of stories about him being difficult on sets. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's that funny story about him not wanting to shave his mustache for Superman. There's like, I think the, the story of the making of Hoosiers was uh, pretty rocky. Like, yeah, he, there are a lot of stories about him being difficult, but I think by the nineties, he kind of like mellowed out and was like, yeah, not going to do that so much anymore. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's just, he's just uh, such a delight to see in any movie that you can't be mad at him even if he was a dick to a director behind the <laughs> scenes because he's just uh uh so so talented so uh yeah like i said there's just something even when he's a villain like i find his presence comforting well you know? yeah i mean yeah he i mean he really plays like the really interesting notes i mean like even when when he's giving that speech to hugh grant when hugh grant thinks he's paralyzed like he's both like a loving doctor not a loving doctor. <laughs> That's not cool. But uh, he's got know, bedside manner. He's got yeah. bedside manner, but then you know he turns it very sinister. Just yeah. you know, an inflection. It's it's great. Well, I mean, he even does that like with the with the guy they kidnapped. Like he's got that kind of avuncular bedside manner charm to him, even though it's someone you know he's going to kill. Yeah, he's like, yeah, let's get you some food, and uh, yeah, ugh. Yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it makes it so much creepier. So this was based on a book by a guy named Michael Palmer. Mm. And from what I understand, it is very different from the book. Okay. Uh, I couldn't find out that much about it because it's not a book that's been written a lot about. And I was not going to read the book <laughs> for this one podcast. <laughs> but I, I guess it's, you know, it was an American and I think he was a bit bit more of like an anti-hero character. I don't I think they kind of sanded off the rough edges for Hugh Grant and, <laughs> and a lot of the characters were were different, but I guess the kind of basic idea was the same. Right. And I remember hearing at the time another kid I knew or someone had said like, "Oh, yeah, that movie was good, but it's basically the same as the movie Coma, which was made by Michael Crichton in the 70s." which I hadn't mm. seen and still haven't seen. I've always wanted to because I know, you know, like Michael Douglas is in it and, uh, you know, I'll watch any thriller with Michael Douglas in of it. Um, but uh, so I, I still haven't seen that. But interestingly enough, so Michael Palmer uh, actually was 
an ER doctor oh, at wow. one point. And he was inspired by by the book Coma, written by Robin Cook. He was inspired by the success of that book to uh, become an author himself. Oh, wow. So, like, you know, yeah. there was somebody who was crashing in the ER, and he was at his uh, desk being like, <laughs> I just got to finish this paragraph. And just one person? <laughs> and in the end, they decided that these measures were too extreme. <laughs> the end. Yeah, no, I, maybe it's a great book. I don't know. I haven't read it. it. But uh, that's all I could find out. Because, yeah, not not a movie that people talk about all that much. Which is, you know, I mean... Not an amazing movie, I don't think, but not a complete failure. I think it's serviceably. Uh, what, what, what did you think? Did you think it was? Yeah, totally. yeah. I mean, I I liked the I liked the ethical conundrum at the sort of center. I liked the way that they sort of played with that, and um, I liked the. I mean, I thought the movie did a really great job of like showing what like the inside of an ER would be like. This movie has so many people in it. Like there are so many like faces. That get like uh, just a little bit of time. It's almost hard to keep track, but it feels like very real. Like this is like what the city is. You know, this is you know the high paced life of uh, of an ER doctor. It felt very real. Some parts were like a little bit dialoguey. Like it was a bit overwritten, and mm-hmm. like some of the stuff like between Bill Nunn and David Morris doesn't really seem necessary. Like, I don't think that we need to hear these guys, you know, discussing that they're going to go kill this guy or do this thing. Oh yeah. We also didn't talk about the fact that like when we see them like leaving for work, they each have like a partner or a child who's in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So again, they turned evil. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's supposed yeah, that's supposed to be like the big connection between all of these people. But, uh, yeah, it does seem yeah, it does seem a I, bit iffy. <laughs> I, I I think uh I would say it's mildly rewatchable. I think there's some really dumb things in this movie, but also some really great things, like like the Gene Hackman performance, like some of the sequences. I mean, I wish it was I say this about every movie, but if this movie was like ninety minutes, mm-hmm. I think uh I would have liked it a lot more. It's just very long. What do you think about Hugh Grant? Do you think that he successfully became like the the thriller guy? Do you think he did a serviceable job? I think he did. And I think it actually was a good role for him to kind of like not subvert, but kind of like take advantage of it, like his public persona Mm -hmm. in a way, not so much like the scandal ridden aspect of it, but like, you know, to have the this doctor be like like you see him at the beginning and he's like yeah he is charming and he's handsome and he's moving up in the world but he's also like he seems like a good doctor like he's nothing really phases him that much and uh, yeah he just like he seems like he has the kind of like uh yeah, I mean in a way you almost want him to get taken down a peg <laughs> through this conspiracy because he seems uh kind of perfect at the beginning mm-hmm. and to have that perfection challenged by the Gene Hackman character is interesting. And, you know, I, I mean, he's never bad. I think we just, you know, the, his kind of persona became a bit of a, a cartoon or, you know, like an easily imitatable, you know, the, he's got that like stammer and, and, you know, he, he was just in so many familiar kind of movies like that, but like, he does do a lot of, weird stuff like it's not just this movie like i was even looking at his imdb it's like oh yeah like he was in that polanski movie bitter moon what's that just four years before this that's like i haven't seen that since i was a teenager but that was just like this completely insane Mm. movie uh about two couples and like that goes to like some insanely dark places and i was actually reading an interview he did with about extreme measures where they also asked him about working with polanski he's like oh that was really weird he was like that was the kind of set where instead of them asking you in the morning would you like a cup of coffee or a donut they say would you like a line of cocaine oh jesus (laughs) so uh no i you know i would uh yeah i but he's good. Yeah, he's good. I, I like seeing Hugh Grant here. I was totally fine with it. What about you? Yeah, I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, I didn't. So I did wonder. 
I mean, I, I think, you know, these sort of movies, and there are lots of them, they do sort of have usually like a, a sturdier sort of uh, protagonist. But I think that, yeah, he does sort of, he does do a good job. Except maybe the fighting part. I don't know if I bought the fighting right. part. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I yeah. think he does like, yeah, a fine job. And yeah. I mean, I think All everybody right. does a pretty fine job in this movie. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, the acting. Everybody. Every- oh, it- I can't believe I didn't mention that the script is by Tony Gilroy. That's right. Yeah. Who also went on to be a, a writer and a director of some note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did uh, all the you know, Bournes. He did, he did the Bournes and, and the Michael Claytons. Yes. Should, should they ever make another one of those? <laughs> <laughs> Which is also kind of a movie about like, you know, uncovering uh, a conspiracy mm-hmm. and like, you know. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's an interesting movie. I I can't say uh, it's amazing, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed revisiting parts of it. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. It's mildly rewatchable. I would rewatch it uh, again. I think sometime, you know, if it showed up on Netflix, then I think it'd be a you know fairly solid bet. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Rewatchability. You can uh, help us out by reviewing the podcast or subscribing on your podcast listening device. You can follow us on Twitter at Rewatchability, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And until next time, <laughs> thank you, doctors. Maybe we didn't talk enough yeah, about Yeah, doctors the, uh, are great, man. Yeah, I, yeah. Doctors are awesome. Yeah, except for the evil doctors. Yeah. But the the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare workers in the past uh, couple of years have been asked to do more than their fair share. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie and our discussion of it was not an adequate testament to no <laughs> to all that they have done. But nonetheless, thank you from from all of us who rewatch them. <laughs> no, and, and I mean that sincerely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now uh, pay attention to that person you're operating on. <laughs> You shouldn't be listening to podcasts in the operating theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs>